Hey, you listen to All Youth Radio. God bless. Hello, everybody. This is Sasha Bloom in studio with me is Johnny McKeon. Hi, Sasha. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, gay marriage got legalized. That's kind of cool. Divorce lawyers must be so thrilled. Like <sighs> Their pie just got completely full. So much bigger. So much bigger. Yeah, all in one week. Gay marriage legalized. Obamacare passes or the Affordable Health Care Act. Yeah. The Confederate flag is going away. Yeah. Brock did the uh, the Mark Maron podcast. What a beautiful segment that was. Yeah, I I don't man, I've been waiting eight years for that interview. Really? Yeah, I I you, so I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm fascinated by presidents. Since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a president. Like my favorite superhero growing up was Captain America, and then I found out at around six that I was Canadian and I could never be president. So like I don't know, I have like this intense patriotism for a country that I wasn't even. You know, a member of, I guess. Well, you can go back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, prime minister isn't as cool as president. But no, yeah, I, I don't know. I like, I, I find presidents to be fascinating. Just the, under the, the pressure, the intelligence, the the decorum, all of it. Like, I just find the, the whole element really fascinating. So being able to hear him for an extended period of time, talking, you know, as candidly as he professionally can. I don't know. I, I just, I was, I was very pleased you know, I mean, what did you think of the interview? I thought Marble Mouth handled himself very well. <laughs> Marble Mouth Dude, Marin. He was so nervous. <laughs> yeah, uh, I well, I think they came to him. I don't think he reached out and got Obama. I think Obama was like, hey, you know, like tensions are getting high. I need to be able to release a statement. You know, what's a way we could reach the people? Well, Mark Marin has a podcast because I know the president listens to the podcast. I guarantee it. I he, guarantee he, it. He did the Bill Simmons podcast back when Bill Simmons was on ESPN. Yeah. So it's not his first adventure into this new realm, but it's a brilliant marketing yeah. idea because so many of the young children in this country don't listen to radio, don't watch TV. And therefore, his whole audience to them has disappeared. Yeah. And so to go on a podcast called What the Fuck yeah. with Mark Marin yeah. is astounding. Yes. It made me really happy. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Obama. And I don't, I'm not publicly as much of a supporter as I would like to be. And it makes me kind of sad. You know, but listening to that interview, you know, listening to him, it kind of confirmed some beliefs I've had. Like, not stuff I've known, but... You know, being able to listen and kind of understand who he is a little bit better, it was nice. Because, I mean, he talked about stuff that I've had to deal with, too, like being biracial. So that that was very comforting to know that he'd been through, you know, similar struggles that I have. And that, I don't know, he really seems like a good dude. I don't know. You know, and a tough job. Did you hear the eulogy he did for the pastor who was murdered? Yeah, the Amazing Grace. Did you see the whole thing? I watched most of it. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was heart-touching. It was well sent the sentiment was very kind and then he sung like the amount of chutzpah to do that not only to the world but in a black congregation where where they could sing (laughs) and where he's not considered a full-on african-american yeah tremendous yeah well just just being surrounded by all those people who do know how to sing and then going for it that's pretty cool yeah i mean that's why he's president you know that takes balls yeah isn't that funny? We think that aspect of the job is like the most amazing part. Not the fact that he's the leader of the free world. <laughs> but just the fact he's saying in a black... Can you believe it? <laughs> the balls. The balls to do that. <laughs> How do you feel about him being called 
POTUS. POTUS? Yeah. Well, I don't know. President what? of the United oh, States. Oh, POTUS. Uh, POTUS. Like, uh, I, I don't feel one way or another. It's just a label, right? I don't like it at all. I don't, you don't like, like the hashtag. I don't like everyone on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I think it lowers the presidency, the office of the president. Well, it's funny because I was talking to my buddy about him, and I kept calling him Obama. He goes, "Why don't you call him President Obama?" And I'm sure. like, "He's just Obama to me, though. Like, it's weird, you know. Like, you'd think I would want to call him that, but I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm trying to. I, I, I'm more curious about the man, yeah, behind the position, not just the position, you know. Because I, I mean, I call Bush Bush too. You know, I don't call him President Bush, <laughs> Clinton. I call him Clinton. Like, I don't think I call anyone, you know, President. In some regards, you never would have seen that 40, 50 years ago. It was nope. always Mr. President. Yep. Without a doubt. Changing world. It's very, it's, it's a very change. It's, it's a big change in the world. Cause I, I don't know. Cause I remember when, when Obama first got elected, that's when I kind of started college was that year. And like, I don't know, I felt really inspired by the fact that, you know, he was elected and that he did make it and that he did it. And then just the level of vitriol and backlash and hate. It really kind of tainted it for me for a very long time. Like I really, I wasn't prepared for how much that was going to be thrown at him, you know, racially. And it kind of, it kind of ruined it for me for a very long time. And it made it hard to be a supporter publicly, especially out here where it's such a a red state. It's it's a very racist state too. Yeah. Like I've never heard the N word used as much as when I first came here. Like yeah. at bars, at mechanic shops, just. All over the place. I heard it a lot in California, too. So, I don't know. It's about 50-50 for me. Yeah, I I lived in a really liberal part of California, though, where it wasn't used. And the education was pretty high in the communities I lived in. So, I think there's, you know, I think hate and racism is taught. I think it's passed down generationally. And I think that it affects um, ignorant poor people more. But see, yeah. I think that's an ignorant statement too. Yeah. Because I think there are there there's a lot of there's a lot of people in power who feel the same way. Yeah. You know? There are. There's a lot of rich, successful people who feel the same way. Yeah. You know, it's 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 I don't know, man. It's it runs deep and it's hard to figure out where racism ends and begins sometimes, you know? Cause cause you know, ignorance gets lumped in with racism and sometimes people are just ignorant. Sometimes like people will say some really racist thing to me, but it's just out of ignorance and out of like a lack of experience of talking to a person of color. And it's not like a malicious thing, you know, but it's just, it's still offensive, you know? And it's like having to walk that line. Like it's been a very long time since someone was mean to me because of my race, like on purpose, like was purposely hateful. Right. It's been, I haven't really experienced that out here as much as I have, you know, indifference or, you know, just ignorant, dumb questions and, you know, stuff like that. It's not, it's not nearly as bad, at least, at least openly as it was growing up. Probably because you are a grown man now. Yeah. And it seems that people become nicer to your face the older you get. Yeah. That, I don't know. I'm a pretty ambitious guy and I'm a pretty friendly, outward going guy. So like most people just kind of get out of my way at this point. So why are you so mean to me all the time? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you keep me real, Mr. Bloom. You keep me real. So one of the great things happening on Earhole Media, earholemedia.com, is we're going to be starting a show here in the next week or two with Dr. Brian Hodgkins. Mm-hmm. He's a professor at the University of Utah. He's, in my mind, a civil rights leader, civil rights activist. He's an Afro-American man and about as sharp an understanding of the human experience that you'll ever find. And so 
the conversation of race, racism, humanism is definitely, and I'm not going to say explored by this man because he has a PhD and he's a genius. Mm -hmm. But to have that on a podcast where there's going to be, of course, there's going to be bias on his part because everyone has bias. Yeah. But just having an academic approach to racism, I think it's going to be a beautiful thing, not only for the state of Utah, but for the large majority of people that tune into it and find it. It'll be exciting to hear. You know, I can't wait. I'm uh, I'm going to San Diego Comic-Con in two weeks. Oh, you're going to nerd out. Nerd out. I'm going for the whole week from uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah. What what are your big events that you want to see there? Um, I I don't know. My brother keeps sending me all this stuff. He's like a super nerd. Like he's he does logistics in the Air Force, so he's able to like fill out an itinerary, and he has like a list of things for me to bring. And he's he's like he's like he's like nerd next level. Like I don't know. I grew up like I guess you would say I was a nerd or a geek growing up, like reading comics. He kept reading comics, so he's all about it. Like I don't know. I'll probably go to like uh, you know the big ones like. Game of Thrones or some of the movie premieres. I know they're going to show some stuff from Star Wars. Maybe I'll check that out. I don't know. The problem is it's just the crowds. It's going to be so packed. Yeah, and that's the part I'm worried about is having to stand in line all day just to watch a trailer or five minutes of footage. I don't know if it'll be worth it. I don't know. When Rebecca and I went and podcasted FantasyCon here in Salt Lake City, one of the great conversations or interviews we had was with a security expert for FantasyCon. Yeah. Ex-military total serious guy and he started breaking down the idea that they track pedophiles there like pedophiles what? from around the country will go to fantasy con and comic cons and all these other things and that they have fbi profilers like watching Whoa. on cameras and they know who they are Whoa. and all types of weird stuff and it gets even creepier how many parents lose their kids oh yeah. like Almost every hour, they lock all the doors, and they herd everybody into the middle so that they can reunite lost children what, with really? their parents. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. You, you'll, when you go, listen for it, because you'll you'll hear it. Like <laughs> Listen for it? Yeah. In the big intercoms. Uh, little Johnny, can you please come to place here for your parents? Uh. All the time. It's not. And he says it was one of the most intense things he ever has to do in his life is even though it's not his kid and he's so experienced with doing this, every time a kid gets misplaced, it's a panic in his heart. Wow. I couldn't handle that. See, I, I couldn't handle that. How do you lose your kid? I don't, I don't know. You're a father. Have you ever lost your kid? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like... Did you keep him on a leash growing up? Did you, did you do that? I never would do that. I think that's abhorrent. But I had him so well trained that yeah. he was always by my side. Really? The only time we ever I ever have difficulty with him, not so much anymore because he's bigger, but was when we were at the mall and doing shopping, that kid would beeline it into mm -hmm. the middle of a clothing rack. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. The audacity of parents not keeping track of their kids. Yeah, I don't know. I blame cell phones. I'm sure, I'm sure that does not help. Like having a phone and a kid, I don't think you can do both. Cause like I see parents just like texting while talking to their kid, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, 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 put it back, put it back, you know, while they're texting and stuff. Like I'm gonna take my son to Comic Con this summer or Fantasy Con, whichever one's here, but I'm not sure I really want to take him there because it's just a trap to buy shit. Yep. 
Like yeah. you can see some cool stage acts and you get to watch people on stilts and sexy girls doing cosplay. But other than that, it's a booth event. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird because I've been going to comic conventions for as long as I can remember since I was like a kid. And the internet really changed the value of conventions. Like before, I would go there and I, I would get a copy of like bum fights or like something really <laughs> rare, like faces of death. Or something. You know, something that you just can't get normally. Now you can download it or get it online even. Yeah. But like before, like I would get full seasons of like these rare TV shows and stuff that weren't on DVD yet, or you know you you you'd see trailers that would never be seen before. But now with the internet, everything's leaked like the day of. Like there's really no priority to go. Like now I go just kind of for the spectacle of it, you know. But before, like I, I used to go to have access to celebrities or access to trailers or access to really cool merchandise, and now there's no need for any of that. Do you dress up? No. See, I thought that was my major flaw going with Rebecca. Like, Rebecca was just sexy as any woman could ever be. She was all cosplayed out as some little creature. I don't know what it was. I'll never know what it was, even listening to it. But I thought that my experience would have been greatly enhanced had I dressed up. What what would you have dressed up as? Oh, a troll. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Something from Braveheart. You I know. didn't want to say it. Yeah, some Viking. Some kind of lawn gnome. Yeah. <laughs> some kind of leprechaun. Some... <laughs> something dumb, you know. <laughs> I, I would love to see you in a lawn gnome costume. Oh. Man, I should do that. You should totally year. do that. You so many people would take photos with you. Oh yeah. They really would. We got selfies with owls. Like, it was a fun time. With owls? Yeah. <laughs> you should bring your podcast stuff and bring our audience with you on this experience. I'm thinking about it. I just, I I, I don't know what I'm going to get audio of. You know, just people in the crowd telling me what they think of stuff. Like, because it's really hard to get access to the celebrities. Because, like, even at, like, Salt Lake Comic Con, they hide them behind all that crap, you yeah. know? So you can't even, like. Like, take a photo from afar. So, I don't know. Like, I'm going to bring my equipment. I always, you know, I always travel with my gear just because, you know, it's so convenient. Yeah, Beck and I had media passes, and they still wouldn't let us. They're like, yeah, we appreciate that you have a media pass, but you have to get pre-approved notice, which, from my understanding, is pretty difficult to get. You know, I think it might be easier for us in Salt Lake than opposed to going to San Diego or New York because we know people like Jay Whitaker, and we're in media mm-hmm. so but it's certainly a process that you have to start way in advance yeah we have a fantastic show today sir oh do we yes we have aaron salazar he's a alumnus of the university of utah ku internet radio or what was ku radio when he was there am he was really one of the people that started at ku once it came back from its long suspension mm-hmm. And infamous suspension. I would have to say that he is the most successful alumnus from KU in radio in Salt Lake City. He is a producer. He's music director, assistant program director oh, wow. for My 99.5, an iHeart Media channel. And it's not an easy job to get. No. Like, he is the man. Yeah. And he's a kind guy. He's a funny guy. He's outgoing. Like... Going on remotes with him and watching him interact with kids and the energy he brings, and it's never boring. You can also hear him fill in on time to time for Rock 106.5. But he's also a band boy. Like, he yeah. was in the marching band for the University <laughs> of Utah with Rebecca Scholander. Oh, okay. And so he was doing all the football games. He was doing all the basketball games. 
I don't even know if they brought the band to the basketball games when Seth Tippett was on the basketball team and they were horrendous. Yeah. So we'll have to ask him. But you want to talk about possibly getting picked on or being a nerd or I'm interested about that part too, but I'm interested about his ear. And because I can't play the recorder, like I got booed out of class. (laughs) You can't play the recorder. No. No. (laughs) Oh man, I can just see you now struggling to play the Uh, recorder. Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. Just bombed. (laughs) Oh man. I was asked to be quiet when I, because they reduced me from the recorder to the triangle. (laughs) And my music professor asked me not to play it. During our recitals. <laughs> He's like, you know what? You know what? Let's, let's just have you stamp your feet in the back. <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> just get out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe go practice in the hallway. <laughs> you can come out. You have your own recital where you just bang the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> but people like him who, and he plays a horn instrument. I'm not sure which one, but it, I'm just blown away. Someone who can draw really well or someone that can play music because I can't do either. I so can't. he has a lot of artistic talent. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious as why you go into radio. I, I don't know if it's his choice to do top 40 music. I, I'm sure it's not most male DJs prefer choice, but you get in where you get in yeah. and you take your career on your shoulders and you advance. Mm-hmm. But for a man that's classically trained in music to listen to auto-tuned recordings and drum beats and I'd like to get into that conversation. Yeah, so. I would too. That'd be very interesting. Yeah. And he's a young guy. You know, he's probably, he might be your age or a little bit younger, mid 20s, but to not screw up as a young kid and to make it into media, it's not an easy It's thing. not easy at all. No. We, we both. We both took a long road to get to where we are. I can't even imagine what he did to get to where he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, anything to plug, sir? Uh, yeah, my Twitter, at Johnny McKeon, M-C-K-E-O-N. That's the same for Instagram. It's the same pretty much for everything. Um, you can hear me on air from 6 to 10 a.m. on Saturdays on Mix 107.9 FM, either on Mix 107.9 FM or Mix 107.9 FM.com. Before we go to break here real quick and bring in Aaron Salazar, how is your DJing going with Mix? Um, it's it's going very well. Like I'm getting great feedback. Um, I'm improving each and every week. It's getting easier. Get more comfortable? Yeah, well, you know, I was always comfortable just, you know, from doing this. Like, I feel real comfortable on a microphone. Yeah. Like, I I, I definitely, with this job that I have at Mix, it's, I'm in my element. Mm-hmm. And it's, I have a level of responsibility that I've always wanted mm-hmm. with the means to be able to make decisions. And then, like, I could defend them if I wanted to. You know, like, I could make, like, a really crazy decision. But if I have a good reason for it, they'll support me. And it's it's a very nurturing, interesting environment where I'm able to kind of tap into my own potential and kind of you know really go for it. So it's I'm it's going great, man. It's yeah, great. I miss radio. Like I don't like podcasting. I like the pressure knowing that if I leave the boards on and <laughs> music's playing, everyone's going to hear it, and my filthy mouth is going to get me fired. Yeah, I like the pressure of having to throw it a commercial to come back from a commercial break. I like having those abilities to break, whether because you're in a bad segment or the guest isn't good and you can just throw out of it and pitch out of it. I agree. Or you can completely piss off the advertisers and just blow past your breaks. (laughs) Sometimes three breaks in an hour and a half, like we have done in the past. We've done that plenty of times. (laughs) (laughs) And so I certainly miss radio, and I 
hope I get that opportunity again. But that'll be another great thing for him is we can talk about the economy of words. I think when we yeah. have AJ from ZHT, we'll even get a better understanding of because you don't get longer than 14 seconds, I'm sure. It's no. probably more like five to seven seconds. Uh, uh, it, it's between eight and 16 on average, mm-hmm. sometimes a little longer, sometimes a lot shorter. Just It just depends. And you, gotta yeah. have compl- you almost have to take two paragraphs inside of two sentences. And, and so Aaron's had that struggle. He's had the butterflies. He's mm-hmm. done all that stuff. And I'm, I don't know. We'll have to talk to him and see if he still gets those butterflies and anxieties and everything else and why he won't help me get it, me promoted. <laughs> That's another yeah. No, but there is there's some truth to that. I do miss the live element because like even though like I'm out on air, the pressure to like do radio on Mix 179 is not the same as it was on Old Ute Radio. Like I definitely felt it more then than I do now and I feel like I still would if you put me in that that situation again where I'm working the boards and you're across from me and we're in KUT Studios. I, I feel like I would get that surge of adrenaline again. You're welcome to take over these boards anytime you want. <laughs> so with that said, mm-hmm. I hope all of you have a beautiful weekend. It's hotter than hell. Drink your yeah. water. Lay off the beer during the day. Yep. Powerades are on sale. That's a lot of sugar, though, in those things. Man. I get the calorie-free ones. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Randall Carlisle from ABC4 Utah. All Ute Radio will be right back after this. In studio, KU alumnus, mm-hmm. program director, mm-hmm. music director, mm-hmm. voice of my 99.5, Aaron Salazar. Hi! I like to call myself the behind the scenes guy because I do pretty much everything behind the scenes. For my and you're really good at it so far so good you know i'm still here <laughs> <laughs> is it tough for you to be in a pop medium uh for the hot ec format it's it's been a learning there's been a learning curve because mm-hmm. uh i'm more of an alternative guy come from an alternative side and uh, more of a rock side so i didn't listen to katie perry or uh maroon five or colby calais or any of any of those and my wife doesn't listen to any of those artists either she's more into the rock side she listens to uh, she her, one of her favorite bands is pink floyd mm-hmm. she listens to a lot of uh, a lot of the alternative stuff uh, here on the radio in town as well so <laughs> when i was coming in it's like okay so all right where do i put this song how does this one go beats <laughs> me and then talking to the record reps uh what do you mean you've never heard of this artist First time I've heard of them. They've been around for like 15 years. Well, it's news to me. I'm sorry. New guy. Because the reason why I ask is not only are you very familiar with music, but you have an ear that's classically trained. Yeah. And so when, in my mind, it's for those of you who don't know, I know I talked about it in the intro, but you were in the marching band for the University mm-hmm. of Utah. You play a horn instrument. Mm-hmm. You play other instruments, I assume, too. Uh, I played high uh, played high school. Uh, yeah, that was a great instrument. <laughs> I <laughs> played. Uh, hey, dude, have you ever heard the joke? Uh, what do you play? Oh, I play the skin flute. Yes, sir. Hey, <laughs> uh, no, I played saxophone throughout uh, elementary school and high school and middle school, and then in high school started playing tuba. Started playing tuba in college, uh, and then I started playing tuba throughout. Uh, um, in what's called drum core, drum and bugle, mm-hmm. drum and bugle core, uh, and I fell in love with tuba, so I started playing tuba a little bit more than saxophone. But you know, just 
grew up playing horns um, my whole life. And so taking that knowledge, I'm sure you read music, mm-hmm. listening to something that's auto-tuned or has a synthetic drum, like mm-hmm. that's got to be weird for your ears. A little bit. And you see, you hear, you see it because you can see music, right? Uh, <laughs> you hear it a lot more in uh, the pop format and the hot AC format. You hear auto-tuning, you hear the fake drums, but then every once in a while a song comes in where they have authentic horns. Uh, Bruno Mars, Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk. Big fat bass guitar sound, and they've got real live horns. They're not synthesizer horns, so it gives it a more authentic, a more warm sound. It doesn't sound like something from 1980s, uh, you know, when the uh, the synthesizer MIDI sound was huge. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it excites me. It's like, oh, real horns! Oh, thank the great Satan, we can hear <laughs> something with some real horns. So, did you know that song was going to be a hit when you heard it? I had a feeling it was going to be uh, this. Is, it's going to be pretty big. I didn't have any idea how big it actually was going to be. You know, it was flipping huge uh but it was a lot of it was i say it was a lot of fun it was it was cool to listen to it in the uh in my first few music meetings uh, with my boss like this is a really funky tune i think it's gonna i think it's gonna make some noise and then it did and it was so popular that uh mark ronson now has to give uh royalties to a bunch of different artists so if you think about it uh if that song was just a dud and it it didn't uh make number one for x amount of weeks on the pop charts on the hot ac charts it probably would have just you know, fizzled off into obscurity, and Mark Ronson would never have to pay royalties to any artist mm-hmm. ever. You know, you could probably say the same thing with uh, Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke for Blurred Lines. Yep. You know, if it wasn't a smash hit, nobody would have cared. But since it was a smash hit, hey, you kind of it kind of sounds like <laughs> our dad's music. Same with Sam Smith. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh Jesus, drop my water. <laughs> Luckily, the lid was on. What an amateur we have in the studio today. It's not my studio that we're in, so I don't care. <laughs> Break it. It's Bloom's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Engineering's going to be pissed. I did spill hummus into the control board uh, in the My 99.5 studio once. Um, I think it was like our fir- first couple, it's like my first or second week, you know, drink cart comes around like, oh, cool. I'll have a soda, a soda, and uh, some hummus. That's cool. Hummus was on the cart? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they had hummus. I like to say it, hummus. <laughs> so they had hummus, uh, and then I'm just munching it with some pita chips, like you do, and then a big old glop falls off the chip and right into the board. Hmm. And you're so, brand new. Yeah, and I'm brand new, too. So I'm like, ah. Uh, so I went to Facebook, and I was asking my Facebook friends, does anybody know how to clean hummus out of a console? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> was that well-received? Uh, people were like, really, dude? <laughs> really? My, predece- my predecessor, Greg Appleby, uh, had a couple of funny comments uh, about like, dude, I've been gone for like, what, a couple of months? <laughs> and you're already trashing my old studio. <laughs> so, But to, uh, to wrap it all back up, but it's different. I, I'm, but I am starting to, uh, you know, I've embraced the format, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I'm 100% committed. Uh, I've started to adjust my ear a little bit to the, to the pop sound. And with, uh, like I said earlier, when you hear something that's authentic with real horns, there's another uh, MKTO song that's coming out that has real horns. It's it's a sound that you can't compare with, uh, that you can't compare to uh, a keyboard or a synthesized sound. So I, I still like the real sounds over pretend sounds. Mm-hmm. And auto-tuning, it has its purpose, but if you can sing very well and you don't need the auto-tune, all for it. So you're a student at the University of Utah. They had just, right around the time you came to be a student, they had just brought back the famed KU mm-hmm. Studios. You know, That's right. Started 
in the 1960s by Craig Worth and his brother. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why radio? Because until you get in radio, everyone says it's a dead format. Yeah. It's Radio's going to die, man. You're wasting your time. Shut up. <laughs> Have you seen the TV ratings lately? Oh, sucks to be an advertiser trying to get something on TV. Yep. Skip. <laughs> oh, TiVo. Skip commercials. Best thing you can do. We can talk about that, uh, you know, at nauseum another day. But I fell in love with radio back in the back when I was a kid. My grandpa did ham radios and amateur radios, and okay. we would uh, we would. Uh, he, I was the only one that was actually kind of interested in you know the ham radio and well, not really ham radios, but just radio in general. So we we talked about radios and stuff, and then. Uh, I went to school and then just kind of didn't think anything else of it. And then I started doing college radio, like, oh, this might be a little bit fun. This, I think this is going to be cool. And then I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, my first year at KU, I was doing Monday nights for two hours, five to seven, an all music show. And I called it the ska show because I played nothing but ska music for two hours. I nobody remember else, that. Yeah. Nobody else was playing ska music. So I was like, all right, I've, I've got the corner on this, on this format. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I did that for a year, and then I realized, you know, the light bulb, bling, I want to do this for a living. I really, really do. This is amazing. This is cool. So that's when I fell in love with it, and I decided to try and turn it into a career. And so far, it's worked. Still here. Were you nervous your first time when you turned on the board up at KU? Did it take you a while? Because I know when I was there and teaching mm-hmm. kids how to do it, there would be times where they wouldn't talk the whole hour and a half <laughs> yeah. in the show. Or they would come on air and go, hi. Hi. 25-second pause you yeah. know, when there's 10,000 listeners. Yeah. Did you struggle with that kind of stuff? Or was it instantaneous? I'm going to entertain. I'm going to. The first show, everybody remembers their first time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the first show, I do remember my first show. I think I had three friends listening. Uh, they were listening on the, uh, on the website, I believe, because, you know, uh, at the time, you know, we said that we were on AM, but we really weren't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's still the case. <laughs> uh, I was under that impression for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we were there. Yeah. So uh, I had, I had like three friends listening and I, I was pretty nervous, but you know, it wasn't like 25 second pause. I kind of had a vague idea of what I was going to do. Uh, I had already taken care of my playlist, my music playlist, uh, the night before. So I had two hours of music ready to go. And then I just needed to fill it in with yours truly, uh, with, you know how, how am I gonna uh, put this to get put this all together? How am I gonna you know uh, fill in the gaps? How am I gonna be the mortar with all this brick? How mm-hmm. am I gonna be the whatever analogy you want to use to glue something together? Uh, so the first show was pretty nerve wracking. I want to say nerve wracking. It was just regular n- nerves. First time you know behind a board. I was I was excited. But, uh, you know I was I was scared to screw up, which you know I still am today. You know, I get on the air and it's like, oh, God, if I screw this up, I'm going to get so yelled at. And sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But the first couple shows were smooth and then I kind of got a nice flow going. Uh, Then I started uh, getting a a buddy of mine in on the show via Skype Mm -hmm. because at the time I just had uh, the aux cable just jammed into my computer. (laughs) And that's how I ran my entire show was through the aux aux cord on, um, on the board. And since I was already remoted in or plugged in, I just pulled up, pulled up Skype, and talked to a buddy of mine. And we had we started a little bit, and then that kind of once a week bit morphed into part of the show. And then I used that. I still have, I know I have them, and I haven't listened to them. Listened to them because I know they're awful. I still have a couple of air checks from the Scott Show somewhere on my laptop. So it's one of those like, oh, it's like when you see a comedian's first show. 
that they recorded to, you know, try and get better. And then they know that they have their first show on tape, but they never bring it up right. or they'll never, ever mention it. They'll never show it because, like, it's just garbage. It's hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. That's how my air check is. <laughs> Being in front of an audience as a musician, did that help you with radio? Because as our audience can hear, you're mm-hmm. very lively. You're changing your voice. Mm-hmm. You have that fun personality. Music, does that help you? Did that help you? I'd say actually not as much as you'd think. Uh, it kind of helped performing in front of crowds. You know, you could handle, oh, there's X thousands amount of people there uh, in, at some of the drum corps shows, but at high school bands, U of U band, uh, you're playing full. You think about it this way. You're playing halftime. Uh, it's Utah versus USC. You're playing halftime. You're, you're jazzed. You're stoked. There's sold out stadium. There's 46, 47, 48,000 people. Eventually they'll pull up a, Oh, we'd like to thank everybody who came out today. Here's our attendance record. Woo, yay! You know, 49 million people there at Rice Eccles. But you're performing in front of all these people. They're honestly not paying attention. They're going to go get a pickle and a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of takes the uh, that kind of takes the stage fright out of it. And you're like, oh, we're just awesome background noise. This is cool. I can do this. Uh, with radio, it's actually not as nerve-wracking. It's not as nerve-wracking as performing in front of, you know, thousands of people, I think. I'm perf- I'm performing, quote unquote, because you can see me. Uh, <laughs> I'm performing in front of half a million people from uh, from Payson to Far West and from Park City to Tooele. But here's the cool thing: they can't see me. Yeah, that's the cool thing. That's the cool thing with radio. And whenever I would tell somebody um, that would come on my show on the Scott Show or came on my show uh, during uh, when I was over at K Bear running the Salt Lake Sound Check, uh, just relax, guys. You know, there's there's a lot of people listening, but they can't see you. You're fine. They're not going to see you. So. To answer the question, eh, a little. (laughs) (laughs) Was it your work ethic that got you on air, or was it your voice? I oh god, I hope it wasn't my voice. (laughs) You have a great voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Uh, I would say it was my work ethic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dude, I I was the over eager, still am uh, over eager. Yeah, I'll do that. Sure, thumbs up. Let's go, go team. Uh, I'd always sign up to do the crappy jobs or the you want to work overnights my heart's telling me well my brain's saying dude that's a stupid idea working overnights but my heart's telling me fucking do it <laughs> do, are you insane <laughs> you kidding that you know you pay your dues you start off start off at the bottom of the totem pole uh analogies i like analogies uh work ethic i would imagine you know is my greatest uh, fa- uh contributor what's the word i'm looking for um factor factor something like yeah catalyst Catalyst. That's a fancy word. You're a nice guy, too, though. You Mm -hmm. get along well. Yeah, get along. Getting along with everybody you work with and, you know, uh, showing them that you want to work for them and that you want to be here. That's the biggest thing. Showing Mm -hmm. people that you want to be here and, shall go out to uh, Riverdale for a remote. Four to six, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) You know? Cool. I'm going to get home super late and I got to fight traffic, but I'll be your man. That's cool. That gets you you pretty far. And the voice... uh, you know, before I started in radio, I had a couple of people. My party trick was reading the warning label as fast as I could, like on the back of a back of a bottle of spray paint or a can of spray paint. You read the label as fast as you can, you get some attention. And then some people said, "Oh man, you should be in radio." Okay, I'll give it a shot. And then um, I did practice a ton. I did spend a lot of time, a lot of uh, a lot of work <laughs> while I was on those overnight shifts, uh, practicing and just practicing and trying to. Um, trying to make my voice sound as best as it could um, without 
I didn't have a whole lot of coaching and help to begin with, so I just kind of went in with, okay, here's what I, oh, I know I, I know I don't want to be a puker. <laughs> hey, coming up next, that one I already knew. Yeah, so don't be a puker. Um, actually, learned that from Dan Bombas, by the way. Uh, Me too. Not to be a puker. Yeah. And then uh, I had a lot of coaching when I was over at K Bear with Sue Kelly. Uh, Jeff Cochran's been helping me out a ton. Fantastic coach, by the way. Uh, the man, the station manager of iHeartMedia in yeah, Salt Lake City yep. and Honolulu and Washington. Mm-hmm. And- Eve, you could say, I don't know what the titles are now, regional president. Yeah. Uh, yeah, either way. There's a reason he's in charge of three markets. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been a huge help, and he's helped me uh, uh, come a long way um, from the voice talent side. Do you have fear going into his office or sending out an email, Mr. Cochran, I need your help. I'm not understanding something. Or, Mr. Cochran, can you help me get better? Uh, Yes, I do have fear going into his office Mm -hmm. every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, cool, music meeting. Oh, God, music meeting. (laughs) Nine times out of ten when I go into Jeff's office, it's for something positive related. Uh, Usually when there's something that's not as good, it's – He's the first person to catch it. Sure. And then, you know, they, they say shit rolls downhill. And it does. <laughs> it does quite a lot. But pause, rethink. Uh, what was the question? No. <laughs> Do you get nervous asking your boss for help oh. in how to improve yourself? Because that's not a any- hard thing to yeah. do. Say, not anymore. At first, you know, it, it, it was tough. I was like, God, I think I've got a good thing going. Uh, I like what I'm doing right now, but that's just, you know, rookie mistakes. Yeah. You know, you can always be better. You can always, you know, do better. There's always there's always uh, somebody who can coach you up and make you better. Uh, you know, we're not we're not all born with we're not all going to be Peyton Manning to use a football analogy. <laughs> but even then he had coaches that helped him. You know, Tom Brady had a throwing coach for years that still worked with him in in uh in his early career in the NFL. So not not so much anymore. Uh, like if I'm sucking wind and just like, oh God, I can't get this to sound the way that I want it to, or I don't know how that, that break sounded. Uh, Jeff, would you mind listening to this, uh, these couple of breaks? So um, a lot of it right now comes with uh, my delivery, how I'm delivering um, uh, my breaks, uh, how my commercials are sounding, because I've never done commercials before. I've never said, uh, uh, visit your Utah Toyota dealer or click on toyota.com. Toyota. I've never done any of that before. So that that I needed a little bit of coaching for and that was, you know, I I asked for help on that one. So. What tips did he give you? A lot of it is just um a lot of it was uh inflection in your voice. You know, you don't want to be nice monotone like uh come on down to Ray Wilkinson's Hyundai and Subaru. We have Hyundai's and Subarus. You know. <laughs> Put some inflection into your voice. Ups and downs, peaks and valleys, you know, if you could see my hands, I'm doing a wave. You know, put some energy into it. You know, inflection. That's a big thing. One of the tough things with modern radio is, and Johnny has this when he's at Mix. He's on the mornings on Saturday. Sweet. Yep. One of the tough things is the amount of time you have to talk. Uh So as Hooker or AJ always talk about the economy of words. Yeah. How is that going for you? So much better. (laughs) So much better. Yeah. Now that I'm starting to write, uh, write write copy for our promo uh-huh. uh, promo peeps. Uh, you know, every every week we've got, oh, we've got a Pepsi promo that's starting on Monday. Oh, we have Stadium of Fire. Uh, when I first started, uh, Jeff was writing the copy yeah. to send off to our VO peeps. Uh, now I'm writing the copy. It's gotten a lot better. Though I'll write something. I'll start off with something, and I'll write a phrase, and then after I'm done, like, okay, so that's what I want to say. 
Now, how can I shorten it up? And one thing that's helped me out a lot with economy of words or economy of words mm-hmm. is uh, production. You know, I've got to produce a 30 second spot and I, I wrote 45 seconds worth of copy. Well, I've got to take some, take some things out. Like, so that's, that is a, is a tough thing um, with writing copy and for breaks too. My breaks, I can do a minute break. At first, it was just nonsensical rambling. Right. <laughs> now a break is um, kind of, I don't want to say autopilot, but have you ever been reading something or doing something where you're looking at a page, like say you're reading a book and or you're looking at some copy and you read it and then you stop reading it and you're like, what the hell did I just say? Yeah. I wasn't even paying attention. Mm-hmm. Like I just went, eyes just glazed over. Uh, it's, it's tough to try and pay attention to exactly what you're saying without going into autopilot and just rambling. Um, and you got to try to, you know, the three E's of radio entrance, execution and exit. It's also another cle not, it's not a cliche. It's just good practices. That's one thing I've been trying to focus on a lot, uh, during my breaks and okay, how do I, I've got my, my three E's now. What do I want to say? How can I say it on the air breaks, uh, economy awards, not, as big of a focus for me, but production and writing script, that's a huge one. In Salt Lake City, it's a very unique market because the audience, whether it's television or radio, is very loyal. Mm-hmm. You will find morning shows who are on for 17 years mm-hmm. and will probably be on for 27 years. You will find news anchors who spend their entire time in one station, yeah. which if you're in Chicago, Miami, Dallas, LA, San Francisco, not going to happen. Yeah. With that said, is Utah going to be your home in radio for 30 years or if you get into television? Or do you want to go to a Chicago or Seattle or San Francisco? Honestly, right now, I want to stay here in Salt Lake. Yeah. It's where I'm from. Salt Lake's my home. And to have uh, my dream job, because mm-hmm. this is, it really is, dream mm-hmm. job. It's cool. It's awesome. It's got to be a dream to, yeah, to go much. after. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, dream job, home market. I mean, what could be better right now? If I have the opportunity to stay here and work uh, work in my dream job, career, field, uh, field of, I can say, expertise, mm-hmm. um, what I'm good at, <laughs> uh, and I get a chance to stay here where all my family is and, you know, where it's, let's not get us wrong, it's beautiful here in Salt Lake, I'm going to stay here. If the right opportunity comes up, be it money or career-wise, I I haven't, uh, I'm not going to say no, I'm definitely going to explore the options. So, but for top three markets like L.A., New York, or Chicago, no thanks. I don't want to go there. Um, because of the pressure, the lifestyle, expectations. Just, eh, just the commute. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem appealing to me. I don't want to be in Chicago. I don't want to live in Chicago. I don't want to live in L.A. I don't want to live in New York. And uh, the Midwest, uh, Salt Lake's not a small market. It's probably, it's market 29. It's a, it's a big, small market. You can say it's still a regional market, but so is Las Vegas. But it's, you know, the biggest little city you'll find. You know, it's not that small. Uh, we've got a great thing going for us. So if I can, I'd like to stay here in Salt Lake. So our time is just about up here. Advice. Give me advice for a young person. I know that I'm going to throw this to Kute since mm-hmm. there's three Kute alumnus here. Mm-hmm. Advice to that potential broadcaster. Uh, advice to a potential broadcaster. Uh, practice. Uh, find somebody who can listen to your breaks and you know, give you positive feedback and say, all right, hey, here's, here's the, uh, here's not the skinnier, here's the scoop. Here's what you can do to make yourself better. You can always make yourself better. So find somebody who's going to listen to your breaks. 
I'm still struggling with this one. Slow down. You've got to slow down. You can't be on light speed turbo mode um, like I've kind of been today. <laughs> I'm just really excited to be here. So slow down, pause, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to screw up because you'll screw up. I screwed up uh, a couple of days ago. Not It's not the end of the world. Good job, Aaron. Yeah, thanks. You're wrong. <laughs> Problem. Oh, yeah. You were with me when we screwed up up at Snowbird. <laughs> Damn it. That was my fault, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. If you do screw up, it's not going to be the end of the world. Think about this. You screw up. Did you kill anybody? Right. No. You're okay. It just sounded a little wonky. People are going to forget. Oh, shit. I can't believe that I played the legal ID and then I played the song tag. So, no, well, oops. But did I kill anybody? No. Let's see. Slow down. Practice. Got to practice. What's something but, that you wish you had known now? Oh, uh, something I wish I would have known now that I knew back then. Um, that's a great question. I don't have an answer for that one. Uh, give me two seconds. Let me think. Sure. I do kind of wish I knew a little bit more about production than I do now. I wish I learned a little bit more about commercial production and especially imaging production before um, before I started this job. You know, I wish I had the chance to start learning that a little bit more. That just comes from a lot of with radio. If you're thinking about getting into radio uh, as a as a full time career, it's going to be hard because uh, there's not a school for that. <laughs> there's yeah. there's not you know they didn't teach us that in radio school because there is no radio school. You know, you have the fantastic opportunity if you're going to a college to do college radio like KUTE. You know, that's uh, where you have a chance to go through and learn all of the, uh, you know, make mistakes. And it's not going to cost a station money. It's not going to hurt anybody. But also, once you get into, like, uh, commercial radio, it's really hard because you have to learn a lot on the job. You know, it takes time. So be uh, be eager and willing to learn from people that you wouldn't think that are going to be your teacher. So that's kind of something – um Production-wise is the one thing that I wish I would have learned before than before. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't some sort of heartfelt memento. It's like, oh, precious. Oh, that's great. I'm going to put it on a T-shirt. No, it was just career-wise. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, we would love to have you come back into our little studio sometime again. And maybe play a music game. Sure. Maybe make you bring a horn in. I've got a horn. Yeah. I've got one. Nice. I'd appreciate a horn solo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get Rebecca Schillander on the phone. There we go. And you can go real deep into band theory and mm-hmm. such. Speaking of, you've got a podcast that you're developing on that right. topic. That's right. Where can people listen to it? Right now it's on iTunes. It's called the Drunk Core International Podcast. Uh, producing it uh, with a buddy of mine who I marched with in, dr- in drum corps in the activity. Uh, back in 2008, we've been best friends uh, for the longest time. Uh, he's currently uh, working through uh, getting discharged from the Marine Corps. So he's in he's in Maryland right now. Then he's going to move back to Michigan. Then he's going to move to Texas for grad student work. So we haven't been able to get uh, – we just have the one episode out, really. Um, but it's a work in progress. We're hoping to get a couple of more uh, episodes once he gets a little bit more settled. Uh, but you can find it on iTunes. Just, just search Drunk Core International. should come right up. And, of course – Listen, my 99.5, you're always mm-hmm. on it. You can always hear your voice on it in between songs. That's right. Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, we're there. where are you at? Uh, Twitter, on air, at LBA, on air. That comes from uh, my first, I'm going to say, not really full-time radio. It wasn't full-time. 
Uh, my first real day part when I was on uh, uh, Alt 94.9. Mm-hmm. It used to be it used to be 94.9 Z-Rock, as you all know. Uh, I was little brother Aaron, and then I shortened it uh, when I was on Alt doing nights to LBA. Uh, just rolled off the tongue a lot nicer. You know, economy words, huh? There you go. huh? Little uh, brother Aaron. Uh, LBA, like it. it you know had a good ring to it. So you can find me at LBA on air. Facebook is uh, just Aaron Salazar right over there. And then uh, that's it. I'm not on any other magical social media. Sweet. Outlet. Johnny, thank uh, you so much, bud. Yep. Thank you, Sasha. Anything you need to plug again? Or, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, Twitter, at Johnny McKeon. That's M-C-K-E-O-N. Also on Instagram. Uh, you can uh, hear me on air from 6 to 10 a.m. Saturdays on Mix 107.9 FM. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I see trees of green. Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue Clouds of white The bright blessed days The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful